What did the Zen monk say to the hot dog vendor? Make me one with everything. This is the Fabric Podcast, and while the idea of prayer might feel like a joke, we're spending these next episodes wondering together at the multifaceted practice of prayer and how it has the potential to deeply connect us or help us see how we're already one with everything. What a lovely day. Oh, I wonder what that is. It's the Amazon man. Thank you so much. Hello. Oh, I wonder what this could be. Yes, yes, yes. Let's see. Oh, my goodness. It is the thing I have been waiting for. And it is my Pring 2000. Wow. Yeah, look at how fancy that is. <laughs> Instruction manual, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see. Page 37. All right, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Do you need assurance that you're doing the right thing? Oh, yes. Are you following the prayer practices perfectly, without exception? Hmm. Want to eliminate that guilty feeling that you aren't yes. measuring up? Yes, 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 yes. What about your kids? Are you instructing them whenever they sit, whenever they lie down, get up, and whenever they walk? Well, if you aren't, the Pring 2000 is for you. Simply install and be alarmed with each and every movement. You too can be secure that you haven't missed a prayer moment. With Pring, you are always praying. Nice, okay, let's see. Well, that seems easy enough. Hmm, let's see, we gotta get this all hooked up. I think this goes on you, Jimmy. Yeah, no worries. Okay, there we go. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, now we're all set up. All right. Mm-hmm. Hmm, no worries, Jimmy. That's just the Pring 2000 telling us that it is time to pray. Uh, uh, gee, Ma, what am I supposed to do? Oh, well... Hmm, I'm not too sure, but why don't you say a bunch of words and then add an amen at the end? Because that, well, seems to seal the deal, as one might say. Yeah, golly, Ma, that sounds like a prayer. All right, dear, go ahead. Dear God. Amen. Again? Oh, well, let me see. Oh, well, that seems to be what the directions say. Are you sure I'm doing this right? Hmm, well, how about try this? Say some I'm sorry's and add some of those forgive me kind of things, you know, in case you broke one of those churchy rules today. Uh, not me, Ma, but... Yeah, right, uh-huh. I'll, I'll give it a <laughs> shot if you want me to. Okay, go ahead. So, dear God... <laughs> I'm sorry, forgive me. Amen. Nice, okay. Oh, uh, hey, Jimmy? Yes, Ma? Um, Pring! Pring! Pring. (laughs) Oh, oh, good God. Oh, Jimmy, you're sure getting the hang of this. Um, Say, can you bring me over your laundry? I want to do a little folding, you know, before dinner time. Okay, thanks, Jimmy. 
Jimmy, would you like another cookie? I just Pre baked them today. Pre uh, what am I supposed to do now? Well, pray. But I don't know what to pray for anymore. All right, well, whatever. Um, how about if you say one of your prayers that, you know, your grandpa said? Because he was a really good prayer. You know, one of the ones that we do at the holidays that goes on and on and on until, well, our turkey dinner is good and cold. You know, it has a lot of these and thous in it. I bet it's a really good one. Why don't you try that? Yeah, Grandpa's real good at that. Yeah. Okay, I'll give her a try. Uh, dear God, Father Almighty, oh, great and holy one. In thou namest, we prayest, amenest. Oh, Jimmy, you're really getting the hang of this. I'm so proud of you. Thanks, Ma. Yeah. How about, oh, how about we go to the soda shop and celebrate? That sounds like a swell idea, Ma. Oh, okay, ready? Oh, wait. Ah! <laughs> well, thanks for that. That was, uh, you were uh, gracious. <laughs> I am Heidi Esposito, and normally I get to be back with the kids. And my role here with Fabric is really to help figure out how to talk about and how to engage kids around these big conversations and to help them to feel a part of this community. So that's what I get to do. What, what do you do here, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> that is the question. No, so I usually get to be in here with you guys. Yeah. But, you know, you may see us separately in different places, but it's really all the same thing happening in different ways for the different people. And so it's kind of fun to work with you together and yeah. pull the pieces together today. Yeah. So a good welcome to um, all of you, obviously. And if you're watching on the live stream, um, I hope you're tuned in and going to have a good time with us this morning, and maybe you're listening on the podcast later, and um, that's great too, all different ways that we can connect. That's right. Um, so that skit was, well, you know, a little cheesy and over the top, but I think it pokes at this feeling that we have that we're kind of uncomfortable with prayer, and we're not really sure exactly what to do, especially with our kids, and, you know, it just seems like, well, the easy thing is to do is maybe outsource it and get a praying 2000. So, you know, we can just check those things off of our list, right? Yeah. And we have so many preconceived ideas about what prayer is and so on and packaged. And there seems to be a right or a wrong way to do it. And it feels like a lot of obligation and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. it really doesn't need to be that hard. You know, I grew up, we had one rote prayer <laughs> that we said every mealtime. And we said it at our own house, and we said it at um, our relative's house. And we, my, I can remember my brother and I would you know, try and say it as fast as we could so that we could get to eating. I grew up in the Lutheran church, so you know, I was instructed well on how to be Lutheran. <laughs> you know, there was prayers that we learned, and we were taught, you know, this is what this means, and this is what you're supposed to say and think and feel. And I can remember sitting in, um, in the pews, and there would get to be this part of the, of the service in which it was time to pray. And they would pray and pray and pray. And then we were cued to answer back, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. prayer. And, you know, that's on and on. And then there was this one thing that they said that cued me to think, oh, 
thank goodness this is finally over. And, you know, so I feel like growing up, I didn't really have that opportunity to grow with my prayer. And that's then how I passed it on to my kids in a lot of ways, especially, you know, when they were young. Yeah, they, they might be very authentic ways mm -hmm. for a lot of people to pray, yeah. but at the same time, Maybe it wasn't the best way for you or the only way yeah. for you. So. Yeah, I think I was bored in church with prayer, and, and maybe that made me a little bit disinterested. Wasn't you, capturing your heart. No, and you know, when I, 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 wanna, I remember the time that my mom was really sick and, and had cancer, and I think I could not have prayed any harder or more authentically, at least in my mind, and yet you know, the outcome wasn't what I wanted. And that left me feeling maybe a little skeptical about how prayer works and whether it all really matters. And then I got to come here with you guys, and I feel like this is such a good community in which to continue to explore and grow with this. But I do think how we approach prayer and how we teach our kids to pray has a lot to do with our prayer stories. Maybe some of us might say stories and some of us might say baggage. <laughs> it sort of depends on what your experience was. But we, wanna, we wanted to sort of ask you guys what you thought about and what your feelings were around your prayer stories. So hopefully you have uh, Menti open if you have your phone along with you today, which wouldn't be surprising. There's going to be a question there, and you get to um, say up to three things that the feelings I had that would typify my experience of growing up with prayer. All right. So pick like maybe the three that best fit your prayer stories. So we've got a mix. I think I can't read it because, of course, I didn't bring my glasses in. But I think, <laughs> I think the end one is um, having some meaningful experiences around prayer. Uh, connected to something bigger. Yeah. Yep. Um, is a popular one. Skeptical. Comes in a, a close second there. Yeah. But, you know, I th one of the reasons we want to think about this, and it's good for you to do that and to kind of get a profile of who we are, which is actually pretty evenly across there, mm -hmm. um, is that you know how you grow up you're going to translate to your kids automatically or that's the you know that's the baggage that you carry into those yeah. situations so being reflective about it and say well if i had this positive thing how do i bring that to life for my kids if i had this negative thing how do i how avoid do I that change, yeah how, how do i change, I change what else could that? i do yeah. about that yeah. yeah so and i think even even the parts that feel like baggage for me i would say they also left me longing for something more I mean, I had this feeling that there is something more to prayer, and so think about it a little bit and engage with it. And that's the next mentee, is to wonder a little bit about what are your hopes and your dreams around prayer for yourself and for your kids, and maybe frame it as a what if. Like, what if prayer, and then fill in, I think there's going to be some bubbles that come up that we can share with each other. And if you don't have kids... I mean, I think we all know that the reason we would be helping our kids grow into these things is because that's what we want for ourselves. So you can be thinking about it in terms of what would you be looking for for your own self and what you would like prayer to represent in your life. What if it felt natural? What if it was easy? What if it was a way to connect with what is bigger? What if, it, what if I could feel more connected and comfortable with prayer? What if it were helpful and useful? A mm -hmm. sense of peace mm -hmm. and deep connection with God. What if I could do this comfortably to help others? Interesting, the word comfortable is coming up. Don't, didn't feel forced, mm -hmm. um, which seems to be a, that, be a similar sort of idea. What if it was a real power for them to live courageously? Wow, mm. I mean, there, there's a vision. Yeah. Happiness, service, and love, 
What if prayer became natural? What if prayer offered electric connection and insight? Woo. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. I think, can, that, that's an option, optional feature on the Pring 2000. I know. I think if you plug it in the right way. Yeah. <laughs> what if I felt safer, braver? Mm. It was natural. What if it were natural to pay out of, pray, I assume, pray out of gratitude, curiosity, and need always? Um, what if it were a way to find peace and calm? What if it changed my perspective? So um, yeah, we, we will um, capture these, and they'll be like on the podcast description. They'll be on Facebook mm -hmm. and on the episode page for, um, for this week and so on. So you can see what other responses are there. But thank you for doing that. Yeah, I those mean, are good. Um, there aren't right or wrong answers, but there's ways of us of processing both. Well, where am I coming from, and where do I want to go? Where do I want prayer to represent for me and for my family? Um, and then finding ways to get there. And um, I think what we're trying to lead you to today to see that there aren't right or wrong ways to do it, but there are things that you would want to wrap your arms around. And they have a lot to do with what I'm seeing up here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some of my what-ifs as I was thinking about this is like, what if prayer was trusting in that longing to reach out to something bigger, that thing that I think that we're born with, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe, you know, the skepticism of life sort of leads us away from it. But what if I could trust in that? And what if prayer was like that? And um, this is your next fill-in. What if prayer, praying and weaving are really the same thing? I think this prayer thing really is about leaning into living that life that is woven more deeply with our whole selves and with the wholeness of each other and all that is that we call God. And I think, um, you know, if that's, if that's what we're aiming for, then there might be a better question than asking, well, how do I pray? Or what are the right words? Or what do I teach my kids? What, what are the mechanics? Yeah, what, yeah. Are the, what are the right ones? I think if we're aiming towards having weaving and praying lead us towards that deeply woven life, then it is a switch from those right words or those mechanics to the, what muscles do I need to develop and exercise um, so that I can be open up to what my whole self looks like and I can be open up to what you, your true self looks like. Yeah, you know, one of the games we play, um, partly because we feel responsible for our kids and partly because maybe what's we, the preconceived notions we have, but. Um, the truth is, just because you label something as prayer doesn't make it prayer. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't label it, it can still be prayer, right? I mean, if prayer is about connecting with that which is deeper, if, it, if it's doing that, it doesn't have to be conscious. It could be unconsciously happening. It could be deliberate. It might be indeliberate. It might be, um, you know, something you did on purpose or something that you just happened into. They all count, <laughs> you know. I mean, that is all prayer. Um, so, you know, you don't always have to make sure you give it that label. All right. Greg, what's the first thing that comes to mind when I say, what's wonder? Well, you know, wonder is like the doorway to things being bigger than you thought. Yeah. yeah. Or, or than you imagined at this point. And if there's anything that prayer is asking us to do, it's, you know, prayer is a starting point. I start here and then I'm going to go someplace else. And if I already knew what that was, I wouldn't need to be praying about it. And I, I think wonder is probably one of the basic yeah. um, components of, and, and the curiosity goes along with it is, just got to be there. Yeah, it really helps us to open up. And I think a lot of us feel stuck, and that's where our prayers sort of turn to, right? Mm -hmm. um, and prayer or wonder has this ability to open us up, and it takes us from what we thought we knew to something new. And I think, what a powerful tool, right? There's lots of studies that talk about how, you know, people that have a well-developed 
muscle of wonder are more satisfied, they're more joyful, um, they build that creativity and um, curiosity, they're more generous, um, it, it builds spirituality within people. Um, I think it makes us more innovative and all those things help us to look at the world in different ways and to, to solve really complex problems better, right? And I don't know about you, but um, when I look at my prayer list, um, the simple stuff, you know, I think oh, I can get that, right? Yeah. It's the complex stuff that ends up um, churning inside of me and um, I'm, I'm thankful for that muscle of wonder. Um, yeah, so I think and that leads us to our next fill in. Wonder and awe seem to be the key to unlocking our true selves. And I love the quote from Lewis Carroll um, from Alice in Wonderland um, that says, it's no use going back to yesterday because I was a different person then. And that's the gift of wonder is moving us to new places. So a couple weeks ago, uh, Maya and I were on retreat with our fourth through eighth graders, and we were exploring this idea of, like, what is our true self? What does it mean to be real and to show up? So we gathered in a room, and we were listening to the song from our friend Joe Davis um, called Show Up. And the kids had the lyrics printed out in front of them, and then I had asked them to, to wonder and think about, like, in those lyrics, what helps you to understand what it means to be real. And so, you know, the music's playing, everyone's circling and underlying, and even the kids that are sort of those reluctant <laughs> participators were in it. And my muscle of wonder was really churning as I'm watching this happen and evolve. And so I'm thinking, oh, well, what else can we do with this? This is really, this is yeah, really amazing. Yeah, yeah, they're into it. And so uh, they finished, and the song finished, and I said, okay, I want everyone to choose one of the things that you circled or underlined. And then we went around the circle and everybody shared their one thing. And as each person shared, we responded back with an affirmation and an encouragement from the lyrics as well, show up. So people were sharing and people were shouting, show, show up. up. Yeah, and we went around the circle and the first thing in my head was, wow, we just prayed. you know, And we didn't kill it by calling it prayer. We never said God or Jesus or amen in it, and yet it was undeniably prayer. Yeah. And I think it took, you know, that muscle that's developed in me of wonder to sort of, you know, take what was happening and wonder, what else? What, where can we go with this? You know, I think that's one of the, the takeaways in, and you hear us talk about this fairly often, to not kill the power of prayer. Yeah. You don't have to give God credit. That's one of, you know, a couple of fabricisms you hear. You know, God doesn't need credit, right? Um, God does not have a weak ego that needs you to keep affirming that, oh, God gets credit for this, you know? Um, and same with Jesus. We don't need to say, God, 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And the other is that God doesn't play games. It's not like, well, if you do it right, I'll answer your prayer. It's No, it's just being connected. Um, so if God doesn't um, need credit and God doesn't play games. Uh, that's just an important thing to remember. Yeah. So I want you to put your feet flat on the floor. And I want you to take a big, deep breath and let it out. And I want you to hold the idea that wonder feels like weaving, and weaving feels like praying. And I wonder if you can say that back and repeat that back with me. Wonder feels like weaving. Wonder feels like weaving. 
Weaving feels like praying. Weaving feels like praying. Yeah. All right. Nice job. All right. The second muscle that we want to talk about today um, is that we want to build up uh, this muscle of trust, right? Mm -hmm. And I think trust is a really important muscle because it's the muscle that helps us to um, hold uncertainty, right? And it's the muscle that allows us to sit in discomfort and know that it's going to be okay. We can sit in this uncomfortable moment and we can do hard things. And um, we can start to take those steps that feel like risk-taking into what we call the growth zone. And I think, you know, that's an important part of prayer, right? This right. trust piece. So that might be one that feels a little like not what you would expect, but how are we going to sit in those places where there is so much uncertainty and that therefore we turn to something beyond ourselves mm -hmm. unless there is this sense of trust there, even if it's growing, even if it's very little. Um, the movement that Jesus started is all about trust. And, we, you know, it, we talk about believing and stuff like that. Jesus did not come that we would believe certain things, that we would intellectually agree with certain things. Jesus was trying to help us to trust our lives with something that was bigger than us, something that he was showing us. And, you know, that's what it is. So learning, helping our children to learn that they can, you know, trust these things that they cannot prove, they cannot answer, they cannot, but, but they're greater than anything they could ever ask or imagine. Um, and that somehow in these counterintuitive ways that those things will prove themselves to be trustworthy for them um, in a way that actually does make sense as we begin to build those muscles up and start to experience that and to trust God, to trust the world, trust this thing that we're woven into in, in little ways becomes big ways. And, and that means it needs practice, right? This is a muscle. All these muscles need practice in order to be strong and to be able to carry the weight they need to carry in our lives. Yeah. I think um, one of the ways that we do that with kids is that we help them trust in themselves, trust in the strengths that they have, and trust them to see themselves as leaders. Um, and one of the ways that we do that with Fabric Kids is we, um, every time we're at camp or we're on a trip, we do these uh, mealtime moments. So everybody takes a turn and we pass out a card that has some ideas on it, yep, there's an example of what it looks like. And um, so we were up in Duluth with our high schoolers and we had done a bunch of weeding all day long and we had gone to the beach to play. And then one of the churches that we had connected with um, said, well, well, we'll throw you a potluck picnic um, as a way of sort of connecting and saying thanks for the work that you're doing. And so, you know, it's time to have dinner. And so we gathered around and I passed out the card. You know, I said, oh, it's your turn or whatever. And thank Ma. Yeah, I'll do thanks. it. <laughs> Good job, Jimmy. Um, and so the person whose turn it was, you know, said, okay, well, I want everyone to share one thing that they appreciated about today. And so everyone went around and, and shared, and I thought, again, wow, this was, this was a really cool moment. But then here pops up the pastor <laughs> from the church who didn't really think that we had prayed. So he had a quick say a prayer, um, you know, the, a real real, the real prayer with the right words um, before we could eat. And we laughed about that, and yet, like, I, it really made me think about, wow, you know, one of the things that we're doing here is building up that muscle of trust with our kids that they can see themselves as a part of a community and that they have the strengths and the leadership to um, not just consume these things, but to be leaders of them. And, um, you know, I think mealtimes is a great way uh, for us to practice these things, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's no 
magic that happens because it's mealtime or because it's bedtime, but we do it all the time, right? So it's kind of like a pause bell for us to stop and say, yeah, let's, let's build up one of these muscles or let's do some weaving, let's do some praying. And that's you know, part of your next fill-in is that we want to create these rituals that support those kind of muscles. And yeah. using we, things like... We need like, those yeah, kind of we do. regular we, things yep. as rituals. And just because it's a ritual doesn't mean you always have to do it the same way, though, right? Right, but. yep, exactly. And I think the more that we grow these muscles, um, we can lean away from those ritualistic times and be more spontaneous with them, which I think is where we all want to be, right? We want to be able to exercise those muscles wherever we are and whenever we are. Claim those moments so our, our kids and we ourselves see them other places. I remember one, one of the most significant prayer moments I had with one of our kids is we went into the backyard one morning, their mm -hmm. kids were little, and there's a dead sparrow right there that you couldn't ignore. And it was like, I could have like, you know, steer away from it or just, you know, throw it away, get it out of there. But instead, picked it up on our hands and we spent some time, you know, thinking about that and talking about it. and. Um, said some wishes and got the shovel out and gave it a little a burial. We didn't say a prayer, but it was a sacred moment with that. I think it's where, um, you know, teaching my child and bringing it up in myself where we were, you know, connecting with the deeper part of this. And to me, that was, that was a real prayer. And it was something that, you know, I think all my family has carried on with identifying those times, those taking those spontaneous moments and realizing the holy that is there. Yeah, and you were modeling that this uncomfortable moment, this discomfort that your kids were feeling is okay to feel, right? Mm -hmm. And that we can, we can get through this together. Nice. All right, so it's time to put your feet on the floor again. And take a deep breath. And you got this now. You can repeat after me, right? <laughs> and um, I want you to hold the idea that trust feels like weaving. Trust feels like weaving. And weaving feels like praying. Weaving feels like praying. Nice. All right, raise your hand if you made a mistake this week. Mm -hmm. You're no, all lying. I don't Come think on. So. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we made mistakes. Okay, put your hands down. Okay, raise your hand now if when you made that mistake, you stood up and announced your mistake and then took a gigantic failure bow, right? Did you all do that? <laughs> yeah. No, that's hard, right? Yeah, because embracing and being able to talk about uh, our mistakes takes a lot of vulnerability. And that is our next muscle that we're going to talk about. Yeah, so um, as I was thinking about, like, ah, oh, what is vulnerability, right? And I think, you know, it's being willing to show uh, the truth of who you are to yourself and to others. And um, I saw, found this image that I think describes that or shows that pretty authentically. So it's this nice flower, and the first, the first screen is, you know, it's closed up tight, and then it's slowly, slowly opening to reveal it's more, you know, the parts of the flower that are most vulnerable, right? And yet, if it didn't open up, you know, we would have no fields of flowers. We would have no delicious fruit to eat. You know, it takes that opening up to get the fruits that come from us, right? Yeah, and I think, I don't know, that courage takes courage and takes bravery and um, willingness to be imperfect yeah. and love anyways. Vulnerability is a hard thing to show. Um, I think we typically are reluctant to do it, but the funny thing, and, and Brene Brown opened my eyes to this, mm -hmm. we love to see vulnerability in other people. 
that attracts us. Because, <laughs> yeah. wow, a person is showing me who they are, and that, that makes me want to know them all the more. So this thing that we desire to find in other people, we're reluctant to give ourselves. And uh, I think we have to know that other people want to see that in us as well. Yeah. And, I, you know, we, if we talk about prayer as sort of a, being a transformation, it makes me wonder, like, how can we expect that transformation to happen if we're armored up, right? If we're like that first, uh, first screen of the flower and we're just armored up to showing who we are. We're armored up into seeing our neighbors and our friends as their true selves and armored up against knowing that we are loved and loving each other. So, I don't know, like, what do you think of when you think of armoring, Greg? Um, like, being unwilling to stretch myself, like, I'm going to stay in areas that I know I can do well so I don't yeah. make a mistake. Yep, yep. I think um, one thing that we do, too, is we quickly criticize or judge others so that we keep the light of criticism and judgment off of ourselves, right? Ridiculing people I disagree with. I don't have to disturb my own wah yeah. because... I've got to figure it out, and they're just dumb. Yep. Um, perfectionism. We, my kids tease me about stories from their childhood because they would say, Mom, can so-and-so come over to play? And I'd be like, sure. Everyone rolled their sleeves because we're going to clean the house from top to bottom before anyone steps foot inside. <laughs> you know, it was like I this perfectionism. I didn't want anyone to be able to see that I was, like, real, you know, because nobody has their house clean all the time. Um, I think we use media to numb. Um, I think we use substances to numb. Um, Any of our mindless behaviors yeah. are ways of like avoiding, yeah. avoiding the uncomfortable. Yep. Yeah. Um, I use humor a lot. You know, I think it's easier for me to be funny and tell a joke, be even self-deprecating, than to show what's the real side of me that I'm feeling vulnerable about. And all of these ways that um, that we armor are building up walls, right? And I think. Um, when it talks about in the Bible and church talks about, you know, sin. And I think it's a, sin is a thing or the acts, the acts that separate us from our true self and from connecting with others and from God. And so being willing to break down those walls um, to become unarmored is a big part of praying and weaving as well. So last week, if you were here, you might have picked up these little emoji chips. They're just little wooden chips with... Um, different expressions and feelings on them. And that's one of the ways that I know best to help kids to grow that muscle of vulnerability is to give them lots of repetition and practice in noticing, how am I feeling? Where is that showing up in my body? Naming what that feeling is. And then um, sharing stories with one another. And it, you know, it takes a lot of practice. I know, you know, I think um, one other thing that I've noticed with kids is that they often need something tactile to hold or to do. Um, they need to use their whole bodies. If you just say, how are you feeling today? You know, adults will often answer, oh, fine. <laughs> you know, they're not really noticing and naming either. And kids kind of go to happy, sad, mad. But think of the complexity of emotions that we really are feeling. So helping kids to um, not only notice and name um, those feelings, but also being vulnerable enough to share them with each other. So and knowing we, that we it's that safe. It's yeah. knowing it's safe to do that. Otherwise, you know. Yeah, we don't, I, I we can don't be open vulnerable. up to everyone, right? right. Yeah, it mm -hmm. takes trusting and um, building that trust with one, within one another. So maybe 25 years ago, I went to a conference with people that uh, were doing the same job that I am, trying to figure out, you know, how do we engage kids around these big questions? 
And the keynote speaker had a jar like this. And she held it up and she said, um, I've got 40 marbles in here. And each of those marbles represents an hour of time that I have with, you know, with the kids that are part of my community. And, and then she said, now think about the size jar that parents have and families have. You know, it's gonna be about 12 times bigger than this jar, right? So, you know, I feel like one of my roles here with Fabric is not only to have fun stuff that goes on in the media center in the gym, but also to equip families to bridge from what we do here on Sundays um, to doing it throughout the week. And that's, that's true for kids and families, but it's also true um, with adults too. Every week at the bottom of the Sunday paper, there's a homework exercise, right? And um, if you're part of a group, um, Melissa puts together some great stuff that helps us to practice these things throughout the week so that it's not just you know, a one and done experience on Sunday, but you, know, you get to exercise your jar that's much bigger than this one. All right, put your feet on the floor. You guys know the drill by now. All right, take a big, deep breath, and I want you to hold the idea that vulnerability feels like weaving. Vulnerability feels like weaving. And weaving feels like praying. Weaving feels like praying. All right, our last muscle, we're going to exercise with the kids when they come back in. But I wanted to spend a little time with some thoughts from um, Frank Otaseski, who is a Buddhist teacher, and he's author, and he's the founder of the Meta Institute. And Rachel Remen, who is a pediatrician and also a professor, and she wrote um, a couple books that you might be familiar with, uh, The Kitchen Table Wisdom and My Grandfather's Blessing. And um, they both have done a lot of thinking and writing around um, the muscles that we're talking about today. So it's going to be up on the screen. You can read along. Or if you want to, just close your eyes and listen to the words. So this is from Frank uh, Ostateski. When we listen from the head, we listen for content. We listen for the story, and then we cultivate our wisdom and our clarity and discernment. When we listen from the heart, we listen for the emotional flavor, and we cultivate our altruism and compassion and love. When we listen from the body, we cultivate our intuition, and we also cultivate our presence. Because you see, the mind and the heart can be swept away into the past or into the future, but our body is always here. And then Rachel Remen went on to add, in generous listening, you don't even listen in order to understand the why the other person feels or the way they do. It doesn't matter why. What matters is what's true for this person. And if you simply receive it and respect it, and in that safe interaction, something can happen which is larger than before, and that's all you need. And those words, those ways of listening um, with our head in which we evoke wisdom, with our hearts in which we can draw into our compassion, with our bodies in which we can be present, and with generosity in which we can just respect the truth of another person, those words really reminded me um, of what we've been wrestling with all along in the story of 
following Jesus, right? We're just wondering, like, what's the most important thing? What can we do? And Jesus' followers were doing the same thing and asked him that question. And Jesus answered with what I think is one of the most familiar passages in the Bible that said, love God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your body. And then Jesus went on to add, and you know, you guys aren't alone here. <laughs> you got to love your neighbors, the ones that live next door to you, the ones that live across the city, across the country, and across the world. You need to love the earth and the water and the sky and the creatures that are all within. So I think if it feels like loving, then it's going to involve us growing the muscle of listening. You know, worry less about the right way or the wrong way or when or when not, um, and lean more into these muscles, these muscles of wonder and of trust, of vulnerability and of listening, um, because these are the muscles that are going to open the doors. They're going to open up the pathway to you know, to the divine, to the sacred, to the, the holiness that is always there. And that's one of the key things. It's like, don't let prayer become a certain thing that happens at certain times. Don't teach your child. Don't let yourself believe that you can compartmentalize your life and put that spiritual side in one place, and then there's our everyday life. Weave it in. You know, there's that word. Weave it into our everyday lives. Let it be spoken, named, unnamed. Just be present with our kids. And what if every thought, every word, every decision, every action, every purchase, every everything was prayer. What if that were the horizon all of us are walking towards? We'll never get there, but yet we walk to have everything be part of prayer. And that is what we will talk about next week with Pray Without Ceasing. Thanks for listening. We hope these conversations are helpful and connective you can find out more about Fabric at fabricmpls.com. There you can find notes from previous conversations and other resources for deepening your relationships with the threads of yourself, others, and that third strand we often call God. You can also find ways of connecting to a group, whether you're in the Twin Cities or not. You can join in supporting this community financially too. It's through the generous giving of people like you that Fabric is sustained. Again, that's fabricmpls.com. Thanks for being fabric in your unique way.